Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to another episode of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Each week, she travels to incredible wine destinations, interviewing some of the Italian wine scene's most interesting personalities, talking about wines, the foods, as well as the incredible travel destinations. All right. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. And today, we have a special guest. She, she popped by. Her name is Cha McCoy and Chow Cha. That's kind of a tongue twister, actually. <laughs> That's why I have to make sure they dance. Cha Cha Cha. Chow Cha. Especially uh, Cha Bella. Yeah, Cha Bella. Bella. So you lived in Italy, actually, right? Yes, I lived here for two years. This is actually how I got into wine. I was um, doing my MBA in Rome mm-hmm. um, back in 2010 mm-hmm. and studying international finance and moved back to the States, New York City. Um, where I'm from in 2012 and found myself falling in love with wine while I was here. I like to say it was my souvenir for living here. Some people find, you know, husbands and... <laughs> you found wine. I found wine. I think that's kind of a good good plan. <laughs> Listen, but let's start from the beginning. Yes. Okay, so where are you from originally? From New York, right? New York City, Harlem, New York. Right. And how did you get to Italy? Why did you come to Italy? I think that just being a New Yorker, you obviously exposed to Italian Americans from a New York perspective. Mm-hmm. So I like saying that it felt very natural for me to choose Italy, but it was an option for my MBA program to actually complete or do your entire um, MBA in Rome. I was tired of doing my full-time job. I was, I'm an engineer. What were you doing? Yeah, I'm an engineer, civil engineer by trade and I was ready to switch it up. I had that uh, quarter life crisis, I guess. Quit my job after I got into my MBA program and was very interested in moving away. That's, that was it. And they told me about the program. I was, I was super excited to get accepted and move out to Rome for it. Okay. So you were working as an engineer in New York? Yes. What kind of an engineer? Yes. So what was construction. Did, yes. Oh, wow. That's a big jump. Yeah, I guess I started learning so much about winemakers having engineering backgrounds now. I I think we actually end up kismic and end up being aligned anyway, but especially farming techniques, agricultural engineering. Many people have that farming background, and I end up connecting when I talk to winemakers and I should say vineyard managers the most. Mm -hmm. So where are you based now? That's a good question, everybody. Because <laughs> you lived in Italy for two years. Correct. Right? And then... Moved ne- back to New York. You moved back to New York, and you worked at New York 
for I some worked, time? I worked in New York. Yeah. What were you doing in New York? Uh, still engineering to pay right. my bills because mm-hmm. New York is expensive. Very. Uh, and in 2017, 2018, it's actually when I transitioned completely into wine, meaning I quit engineering. But I was still working at a wine shop in Harlem, New York called The Winery. Mm-hmm. That's my first job in wine as well back in 2012 when I moved back to New York. And I was doing that part-time as I was still working in engineering. Until yeah, you had the wine bug. You caught the wine bug. Correct. And you were still like, because, you know, to make money, yeah. let's be very honest here, right. in wine, it's not that easy. I think that, uh, and you know, I've mentioned you in many rooms uh, as people, someone who, a woman who inspired me, especially a woman of color who inspired me in this industry, just following, I like saying, the greats and seeing that you got to think outside the box um, if you're not coming in with fourth generation winemaker money in this industry. So you have to be creative, innovative in order to make it. And so you are someone, when I learned about you, I knew that I can make it. Because I see there's hope, but I got to be creative. I can't think linear like my father's father is going to pass me down and be born into the industry in that way. So, so yeah, so I kept uh, working in engineering while still visiting a lot of winemakers. And that's actually like what I talk about the most is how they ask that favorite question. What was that wine bottle that made you fall in love with mm-hmm. wine and give you the wine bug? And I always tell them, it was no bottle. I moved to Italy. And I think travel has always been the place where I'm able to connect and be able to understand wine the most is being in the terroir, in the dirt, talking with the winemakers. So that's always been part of my motto about learning about wine. Get outside the books, go out there and learn from the winemakers. So for engineering actually helped actually pay for me to be able to move to Chile for three months. And I started, I just started going on a road. So if I just took the job, I like many times I asked to be a sommelier and, and I wasn't, um, I wasn't getting the roles, even though I knew Italian and I was like, this is confusing. How come I'm not getting these jobs? We know now because many people are speaking up about being a woman of color, being a black woman and not getting the jobs that we knew we was very much qualified for. I just took it as, okay, I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep going out there on my own. And thank God I had the funds to do that for my engineering job. So I continue to travel to Italy. I want to say I've been to most of the regions here from my two years living here and then coming back afterwards. I developed a community living in Rome that I continued to visit. So tell us a little bit about where you visited, your learning experience about Italian wine. This is called Italian Wine Podcast. We do often do kind of the deep dive into the Italian wine. Tell us your experience in Italian wine. Yeah, I mean, I fell in love with... I was basically somewhere around Kanubi, I believe. I just didn't know what Kanubi was. Right. And I think that when I was traveling at that time, I didn't know the levels and, you know, oh, this is Piedmont. You got to learn about Barolo. <laughs> I just knew somebody said, my Zio has a house over here. Do you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, you know, and just learning, I would say, very authentically. And it felt very accessible when I mm-hmm. lived here. So that's why when I went back to America and, you know, who's drinking what and this kind of cult around certain wines and producers. I was like, I, I met him. He's a very nice guy. I don't really, you know, but on the wine list or around other Psalms, you could get this energy that people were like praising the guy. I'm like, he's like a dad who owns a few goats. And so I had a more human perspective. Right. And I really love that. So just being able to spend time in Puglia. I've been in the Maque, Chianti, of course. These are over now, over a decade worth of traveling, specifically here. I'm here for Veneto on an industry trip. They brought us in to do a deep dive on Suave and 
Lucella. And on my own, I'm actually connected with a lot of people with Prosecco, DOC. I was with DOCG yesterday, and I'll be spending the rest of my time with the DOCG region. I've been teaching match the classes in New York on Prosecco. So for me, the fact that I was in Veneto right now, it made sense for me to be able to have that kind of in the trenches conversations with some of the the makers that I feel like needs more recognition. So that's my story as far as Italy continuously coming back over the years, visiting what I call my Italian family, which is basically my friends who never moved back to America. And I would say my last trip here was in 2018. And yeah, that's not quite a long time ago. Yeah, well, the pandemic in between. Right. And then I moved to Portugal. Right. Okay. So there's a slight detour into Portugal. How did that happen? Why didn't you stay? Why weren't we able to keep you in Italy? I know. You may get me back. This trip has convinced me. <laughs> Verona's beautiful. I can yeah. tell you that. I didn't know you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wish I had more mentors. I think I really was at a loss with Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how to actually like break in and do what I wanted to do. I also was feeling very, um, you know, just living in Italy and not knowing how to make something work at the time, I was still willing to do engineering the same way I did in New York and then be able to work my way into Italy. But to be honest, after I left, I actually learned more going back to the States and seeing how the industry move, learning, especially in New York City, knowing how to maybe even if you can't get a seat at the table, maybe just being in the room at all, being able to be in contact with so many people. And then I was like, I'm ready to go. And when I was ready to go, I just didn't know where. And to be honest, it, of course, returning back to Italy was on the list or an option. But I really wanted to explore somewhere new and possibly somewhere a little bit cheaper. <laughs> so Portugal ended up being a, a less expensive in Lisbon. I don't know if you've been to Lisbon. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. But is it considerably less expensive in Lisbon? In li- where, in- where were you in Italy? Based in Rome? In Rome, yeah, Yeah, in Prati. Okay. Today, I would say no, (laughs) but at that time when I was researching, 2017, 2018, it was lower if you lived in the outskirts and very easy to um, move around. So that was what I needed to, and then obviously straight flights to New York so I can get mm-hmm. back to family. Because I also thought about South Africa, <laughs> but I uh, just knew that the commute or trying to get back home was going to be more difficult if that was the case. So, But that's what end up winning is wanting to be on the beaches whenever I wanted to, that kind of yeah. what they call surf and sun life of Lisbon. So that's how they got me. <laughs> Are you enjoying this podcast? There's so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco, and other stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. So you're in Lisbon. What are you doing in Lisbon now? I was a sommelier for a Michelin star restaurant Mm -hmm. in a Barrio Alto region Mm -hmm. or area of Lisbon. And then next thing you know, the pandemic hit and the restaurant closed. Um, And then I found myself at a loss living in in Portugal or a foreign country alone with no family where everybody else was able to, you know, go back home or be sheltered with their family. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have that. And so that was something where I was like, okay, I have to rethink life. (laughs) I think everybody was having a, you know, one of those moments during the pandemic. And so I was excited to be able to to open up a, I saw that Lisbon 
at that time, you know, natural wine, low intervention wine was becoming a thing. And a lot of New York distributors and import companies, I would see them come into Portugal to learn about wine. And I actually thought, okay, there's an opportunity for me to help and consult. The one thing I do know between Italian wines, and not trying to say there's not, um, doesn't need any help from anyone, but um, is that Portugal it was definitely underrepresented. It's not a big section in your WSET studies in oh, most agree. books. So that's why if Even I was... Italy is underrepresented in WSET. Yeah, okay, this I, is one of the reasons why it started Vinital International Academy because uh, there is no the deep dive. And I mean, to be quite honest, yeah. I mean, Italy's quite complicated, right? <laughs> yes, like yes. the Italians, on yes, the other yes, hand. Yes. So, so that's how Portugal ended up winning for me because what you've created here with Italy, I realized that Portugal needed help. And therefore, when there's a place that has a need and you feel like you can support, I saw myself as possibly being an asset. So I created Airbnb experiences where I would take uh, people who come into Lisbon onto tours to smaller vineyards that's like not that doesn't have like a, a map they're not on the map I guess mm-hmm. for you to find on your own I was psalming I had like no days off and then Lisbon has become a tech hub and they created an incubator program for people in the food and beverage space and so I was part of a nine-week program on top of that for entrepreneurs in food and beverage so that ended up being and I ended up doing a business competition for 10,000 euros so that was a big like no days off for like nine weeks straight of me being on the restaurant floor, me being part of the accelerator program. And then when I thought I could sleep, I may get booked for Airbnb experience. So that was a, I had fun doing it though, to be honest, but I was exhausted at the end. But I see there was a lot of growth and potential. And I think more people are paying attention to Portuguese wines. And I was trying to be the, I guess, the you uh, of Portugal in that way, where how do we get more people interested in underrepresented regions and grapes, of course. Right. So listen, you, you know, I'm reading your bio here and you have thousands of accolades, right? (laughs) Like wine enthusiast as top 40 under 40, wine spirits magazine, rising black voices in wine, et cetera, et cetera. Do the Europeans or the Portuguese know even know what this is? Like all, you know, you're you're very you know humble, but you are you. you know established wine personality. But do the Portuguese understand that, or the Europeans in general? Because I feel like you know there is a little bit of disconnect, right, mm. of American wine world and the European wine world. What is your thought on that? It's two parts, and I would say that especially since I have the experience of working on the floor Mm -hmm. as a psalm. So how they respect me as a psalm working on the floor in Portugal with those accolades is different than me flying in and saying, hi, I'm coming to Prosecco, and someone's treating me like, oh, child, we would love to host you, et cetera, right? So how do the winemakers, the marketing departments feel about everything that I've accomplished and what I've done up to today? And then when you work on the floor, I think now you're getting a real-life experience, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're immersed. They don't care about your accolades. You know, go get the bottles, right? (laughs) So I've had both of being with the people, not just someone flying in and visiting. And so I I would say... 
maybe it contention on the floor. You still got to work your way up in this restaurant. You're not the boss, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's just a reality check. No one cares about your top 40, under 40. Um, you don't do the wine list here. I have a boss, you know. So you still got to work your way up and make a name for yourself in your local community. And so I appreciate you saying that about me being humbled about what I've accomplished. But I'm, I'm here so You're to still learn. quite young. Yes. <laughs> yes, that is correct. I am still t- quite young. And then hopefully there's something to, you know, this empire is really a bigger mindset than I don't need to be the boss at this restaurant because I'm going for something bigger. So I guess that's my mindset in the room. If you're the one that is creating the wireless, no problem. I respect your decision. Mm-hmm. So it's very humbling to be in places where they like, well, you don't know the language fluently and we need you to be the expediter. So you will not be working on the floor doing any of the, the wines today. And so that was the reality of what mm-hmm. I went through. So you do know. you speak Portuguese? Is your Portuguese better than Italian? Oh, no. It's yeah. crazy. I I feel like I came off the train Italia and feeling like I was like, oh, wow, I think I just got my ticket. I ordered my food. Right, I, was right. like, I didn't say I didn't speak English to no one today. Right. It made me feel good. Right. Portugal. No. no right. <laughs> and the interesting part is because in Portugal is so many uh, people who actually look more like me. So right, more right. people think I'm Portuguese right, walking right. around. So everyone would ask me for directions, especially if they think I'm from Brazil or from Angola, mm-hmm. you know, or Satume. So a lot of the ex colonies have um, moved over to back to Portugal or to Portugal for a better life or make more money. And they think I'm just their cousin. And that's okay with me too. (laughs) So there's a little bit difference because I get tested way more often because most people think that I speak uh, Portuguese. Right, right. I try though. Yeah. So listen, child, what, what what are your ambitions? Like, what would you like? How do you see yourself? Where I know this is kind of, you know, I know it's very cliche, but yeah. where do you see yourself in like three to five years down the road? Where would you like to be? I mean, it's of course, it's about the journey, not the destination. But of course. where do you see yourself? Well, you know what? I was opening a shop when I was here in Europe, when I was living in Lisbon, a wine bar slash shop. So I ended up opening a store in New York, upstate, during the pandemic, on my spare time. Mm -hmm. So having that shop open and actually learning the ins and outs of a brick and mortar has been interesting now, being able to be a wine entrepreneur for me. Now I have my own space to manage, and that's up near the Finger Lakes wine region. So I, I, I always talk about again small wine regions that need (laughs) more help and more love so that question I feel pretty loaded because especially being on a trip and being here with you right now I do hope to be back in Europe and having something established here where I'm not visiting where something is I have like a headquarters Mm -hmm. here in this way now with your last question I'm now I'm debating on is it going to be Portugal or Italy so there's going to have to be a fight about that right but um I can tell you right now the Portuguese would rather be confused with or battle with Italy than Spain any day as you know right right. (laughs) they're like that's that's a whole nother level of uh heat that they got but um but I would I'm definitely in a place where I do need to be bicontinental, and that may mean having uh, something 
created for me to come back to here. My book will be released by that point. Oh, you're working on a book. You didn't tell me that. Yes. What, what are you working on? Uh, so my wine dinner uh, series, The Communion, has now, which is now the name of my shop, The Communion, has now been picked up by Harper's Collins. Harvest. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So The Communion, the pop-up was all about pairing wine with foods from other ethnicities and cultures. Uh, so it's been a fun journey just discovering more wines that, or wines I haven't had in a long time and trying to see what's going to go well with pho or what's going to go good with Tebujan from Senegal. So, so when, is this, when is this coming out? It's due November. <laughs> so, oh, so, okay. so let's just say it's, uh, it's definitely coming up where everything is going to be handed in and we got next year to try to you know, finalize everything with photos, and I feel like that's the next journey is leaving a legacy behind, uh, in a way. Like Harper, our stateside or the UK? It's well, we have the rights to it worldwide. Okay. Yeah. So it's um yeah. So I'm excited to see. That's that's fantastic. You should things. come to Wine to Wine and present that. Have you ever been to Wine to Wine? I haven't. Yeah, it's in November. Okay. Um, it's a. It is actually our 10th anniversary edition, so awesome. it should be interesting. And it's about Italian celebrating Italian wine ambassadors. Oh, cool. So uh, we can talk about that uh, yeah. And educating. Lighter. I think that's the thing. That's the reason why the book was important, because I can, I can reach more people through the book and educating that way. So now educating people about Prosecco in a master class or port wines. I feel like, you know, e anywhere they want me to teach and people love my style. Um, I'm an adjunct professor right now. I love the way. Whereabouts? Syracuse University near oh, the store okay. upstate New York. So I think this, how do I see myself? The question is really about how can I still le leave seeds of all the work that I've been doing in some way with other people and hopefully they'll be inspired. You know, I just want, I want uh, I like calling myself like the solo traveler who've taken on um, the lifestyle of, um, you know, wine and realized how hard it was to be in this industry and recognize I needed to focus, put my head down and I committed. And, you know, and I hopefully when, when people look at me, they, they realize the the benefits they see that I'm reaping now, it all comes from true hard work, you know, true dedication and studying and grinding out. So um, hopefully that's what I'm leaving behind as well. That's fantastic. Chad, listen, I'm looking at your Insta uh, uh, account. Yeah, it's, first of all, it's called Cha Squared. Cha underscore squared. Yeah, Cha mm -hmm. underscore squared. Well, what does that mean? Why is it squared? So, funny story, I guess. My So, my nickname growing up is Cha-Cha, and I got too grown to be called Cha-Cha, so it was just uh, like Cha squared, so me double, right? But then right. at the same time, I realized, you know, being a black woman in this industry, I was going to have to work twice as hard, so I was like, you're going to get me you know, out here grinding. No one knows where I'm at. Are you in New York or are you in Charleston? I'm also um, the beverage director for Charleston Wine and Food Festival for the past two years. So people are like, are you in Charleston? You in Italy? You in New York? I can't oh, find you. That's fantastic. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, so it's a Charleston Food Wine and Food Festival. Yeah, Charleston Wine and Food Festival. It's the first week of March. Um, it. It's been going on for 17 years, but I was the beverage head of beverage for the 2022 festival in 2023. And, yeah, it's a monstrosity, to say the least. Oh, my goodness. Four you days. You keep yourself busy, young lady. <laughs> yes. Four days, 111 events. Um, we would love to do an Italian master class. Uh, you guys should definitely come over. Oh, we need to talk yeah, about that. We do about um, we have everybody teaching classes from Eric Asimov, Alice Firing, Andre Mack. That's this past year alone. 
long. <laughs> so I bring in everybody to come in and really try to set up a shop. It, it, is, like it, is it a, a like a B2? It's a wine lovers event, right? Or it's is actually it... both. So especially underneath my, you know, I, I feel like direction. my direction and inspiration, it, when it was more consumer driven before, more people are coming for trade because of the caliber of people who are coming. And we do do wine, spirits, cocktails, beer, et cetera, especially with the Carolinas, uh, very focused on beer making in that area, too. Mm-hmm. I did an event, whether it's on hybrid grapes, you know, and I mean, within our classroom. So we have uh, we take over a hotel each year and we call that our beverage hub and we take over the conference rooms and that's where the classes so the ones who are the beyond the enthusiasts the ones who are really the connoisseurs who want to learn more they come to those workshops for that the ones who want to go i don't know drink all day at the tent outside they have that event outside mm-hmm. and we have different thematic food related charleston is a beautiful city and amazing for culinary roots so we do a lot of food ways and it's all types of events i could talk all day about that festival Again, 111 events. We see almost 35,000 people. How many days? Four days. So it's it's huge. Yeah, Wednesday to Sunday, every day, wow. nonstop. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And so, so Squad. Yes. You live in Portugal, but you're all over the place. Yes. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So how long do you stay? Like your residence in Portugal. Well, in what Portugal, does that entail? I have. Um, I'm back in New York because the store is in New York. So once I opened up the store last year. So that's where I do most. I guess that's where I would call my base today because there's so much work and to be able to help support family that's there. But so now I'm more coming into Portugal and now Italy um, for the first time since the store opened, which was last with construction, et cetera. I had to be focused there to get that up and running. So but yeah. Right now, you'll find me more in New York than anywhere. Okay, fantastic. So I'll have to hit you up when I'm in New York. Listen, so you're looking at your Insta account. You're quite popular. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> no, so you're active, obviously. Oh, uh, lightly, what, lightly what, active. Yeah. What kind of, like, this is completely a personal branding page. Are you doing this by yourself? I am doing this by myself. That's probably why it's not enough posts there. But I live for my stories, though. So if you really want to keep up with me. Yeah, give me your social media strategy. Here we go. (laughs) Now you make me feel horrible because I have have none personally. Right. But I would say, you know, it just got overwhelming. And you know what? I love, of course, I would love to be paid and do partnerships with things on social media. But when you can't. I love when brands allow me to do the creative portion, not this is what we want you to say. Mm-hmm. This is what we want the image. And when I got too much direction from other people, I, I end up staying away from that because I wanted to still feel authentically like me. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate. So I haven't done any like paid programming strategies on my social in a while. Right. But um, when it's, when I start turning into that. So I love anybody who's like, child, we, we know you. We, we know how you operate. I'm like, everything got to have an educational angle. I'm not here just taking pictures and looking cute in the vines for you. So that's just part of my or branding. Or in a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won't be. You know what? 
Stevie, if I can get into a bikini and look good <laughs> with the extra, you know, pandemic weight I'm carrying, I may do it because it's going to be more of my, I made it, y'all. I dropped the 15 to 20 pounds. Like I said, you know, we're going to open some champagne for that for sure. So, you know what? That post may be a real one because <laughs> that means I dropped the weight. But, um, but yeah, so in this case, it's hard to do that. My strategy is usually when I feel inspired to say something, <laughs> I post, you know, like she's on my page right now. It's actually intimidating everybody. But, you know, it is like the last post on my feed is literally me doing the blind tasting for uh, Wine and Spirits magazine. And I was invited to to be able to do the judging for Finger Lakes Wine. So for me, I felt like this is a moment we're not usually called into the rooms. So back to what you asked about child you have 40 under 40 you're this you're that you know how do europeans feel even in america that was my first time ever being asked to judge so Mm -hmm. i mean if you can have all the knowledge if they're not calling you uh i think my work speaks for itself you was able to see that in (laughs) a few minutes Mm -hmm. um you know but they do i need to go out and call everyone literally maybe some people i have no problem with this but i'm always open to opportunities and then i think people just get comfortable with calling the right the same person all the time or same people all the time so hopefully even with everything that I've accomplished that people still realize that I, my, heart, my heart is still in Italy as well as uh, you know Portugal and a lot of other regions whenever anything is going on whether it's classes whether it's trips whether it's judging I'm always open to that have you um, been to um, Etna never uh, so yeah we have uh, we organize a trip in Tarmina in Etna area. Oh, cool. Every October. Got it. So we'll talk about that when we're off the air. We'll love but, that. But um, definitely, we organize it every year for the past, I think, five, six years. Yeah. And it's 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 an it's a wonderful trip. So hopefully you can join us. I would hope. Yeah. So that there you go. You have something. And to I'll do. post that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this uh, social media. Sometimes I really just want to like post how you feel you are wait hold on too many people are gonna like watch this but so i like okay this is the story this is one for the story so it can like disappear in case i feel like i don't like them you know next week yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it's almost like you don't want it to like live forever on your feed so i'm highly active in my stories and i only curate i guess if you want to say my my traditional posts i guess so listen what's the plan what's the, what are the summer plans Beyond wine, I really do love spirits. I think that's the okay. the great part of like now having the store. We are a wine and spirit shop, and just even doing a role as the head of beverage. I mean, I get to talk to brewers, I get to talk to distillers. So I say that to say because next month I'm very excited that I'll be um, back in New Orleans uh, for Tales of the Cocktail. Um, and just geeking out on whiskeys. Today is National Bourbon Day, whenever okay. this get posted, <laughs> if you're bourbon drinkers, um, and just doing deep dives on spirits as well. Um, just two weeks ago, I just actually just got back from Jalisco, which is where tequila is from. So that's the last trip I was on before I, I was in, um, before I arrived to Italy. So just being able to do the work that I believe is needed for the spirits industry. Mixologists' jobs are to be the creators, right? So some people don't ask, what is the bourbon that you use for my cocktail, right? But if we take a sommelier's approach to spirits, which I like to do, it actually allows people to understand and question the same way we do about organic grapes, et cetera, right? So 
like natural winemaking and everybody who's going for more low intervention biodynamic farming practices, wouldn't you expect the same thing to happen for your agave, for your tequila? Mm-hmm. Um, agave um, Tequila is now out um, number of sales, um, outpacing sales for then vodka right now. So being able to understand tequila the same way and other agave spirits, um, like everybody's, like the, I guess I was saying in Mexico, I learned everybody's very excited that tequila is doing well, but at the same time, they want them to respect the tradition and understand just like how we have DOCs and DOCGs here, they also have their own protection. You can't make tequila anywhere. And most people just doesn't don't have that level of information yet about spirits. And so, uh, again, you know, I'm just listening to you, and I understand you're so well-versed, and it's complete Greek to me, paradoxically, <laughs> okay. right? So great job with that, Cha. Thanks. Listen, Cha, so before we go, okay, okay, because you have a train to catch to go to Venice, <laughs> Back to we Venice. need to have yes. pizza and Lambrusco, because sure. that's the best combination. I'm here for I you. cannot uh, let you go without asking you this one last question. What is your favorite wine? In Italy, okay. Italian wine, and why? To be honest, I mean, I really, I love Prosecco. And I think we need to be more, I guess, as uh, instead of just talking about champagne and feeling like we must, you know, we're putting down Prosecco when we say that. I think it feels good to actually like Prosecco. So deep diving into the Rive and having Cartizze, mm-hmm. it's been very emotional for me, to be honest, to be up there in a place that I kind of admire from afar and hope that we have more access to um, some of these more higher-end Proseccos in the U.S. And thank God that's the reason why I opened my own store is so I can buy them if I want them and have them in the shop. And look, I'll drink it alone if I need to. But I really do love that. And I think that um, I always tell people that um, Barolo was my first love. And, and that came just genuinely. I had no idea about price point, thank God. I was, um, But people said, you know, good wine is made here. I told you I had my friend Zio that became my, like, fake uncle. For those who don't know, Zio was uncle in um, Italian. And I went out and visited Barolo at a, my early years in um, wine and very was uh, very much connected to Nibbiolo. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a Barolo girl. And, and, prosecco. and Prosecco. But listen, I must ask you one additional question. How do you explain the difference between, number one, Prosecco DOC and DOCG? Okay. I mean, two wine lovers. And then Cartizze mm-hmm. versus, you know, Prosecco DOCG. Like, how do you explain these categories? Yeah, I get. let's start with Cartizze being almost like the Grand Cru level, if, if you know Champagne. Mm-hmm. So if you see Cartizze, they're definitely going to say it. <laughs> so, you know, Prosecco may not give a lot of information, but you, that tells you about the quality. The more information you see on a bottle of Prosecco, I think that then explains that you're moving up. In the U.S., you can find Prosecco for $5 or so. Exactly. So in this case, if someone wants to know why would I pay $50 for Prosecco and then $5 if they're all Prosecco, this is, I always tell people, look at how much more information that usually triggers, even if you don't know what it means, if it's telling you it's coming from a specific region, sub-region, hill, in this case, Cartice. Mm-hmm. Every Cartice I had, which is part of the DOCG, for those who don't know, they just have additional sun exposure to the grape 
mostly glara and i want to say like 99 percent glara with um clearly some field blends of like tribianos mm-hmm. running roaming around but very small amount and that fruit characteristic that you got i, I got everything from you know some typical notes people would say with prosecco it's like apples and pears etc this one had like hazelnuts it had apricots and i was like this is where we need mm-hmm. to be this is the prosecco that needs to be more out in the world so particularly from that docg from valdebiadene and coliano i think there's something about people just not it's okay about just leaning into that these are uh sophisticated regions and pointing them out i think that just like portuguese there is a language barrier. So that's something I realized that language will stop people from purchasing if they don't know how to say it. So we just need people to at least identify these as two regions for higher level quality. And and I think there's, there's something to say about the winemakers who are choosing to go the more, I guess, rigorous or quality control route too. So, But DOC is just as good. I'm excited to be able to go into DOC for the rest of my journey this week as well. I think people forget about some of, there are still biodynamic and organic winemakers that's making Prosecco. And then more interestingly, I love being able to talk about Colfondo to people because everyone in my store comes in and is like, I want Patnat, I want Patnat. Right, right. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to let you know there's, that's a style that's just, you know, with yeast and sexual method. There's other winemakers in other regions that call it something else. So um, Petnet is just branding at this point, too, for a lot of people, um, a lot of consumers, I'm saying. So they're like, oh, I know that brand, the idea, quote unquote, like Petnet. So let me just grab the Petnet. But they don't know what Colfondo is and it's in the same section, you know. So right, right. how do I? So I've been. I think that's where our difficulty is, um, is being able to get people to understand these other Italian words that are still under the umbrella of Prosecco so they can be able to understand it. So there's some work to be done, and hopefully uh, I'll be doing it. Cha, uh, (laughs) I love cha-cha-cha, first of all, number one. That's what I'll be calling you from now on. Okay, no problem. I'm sorry. You are definitely a Prosecco ambassador. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to talk to the consortiums about that. Okay, great. Thank you so much for popping by. And let's go that have that pizza in Lambrusco. Let's do it. Cheers. And some Prosecco if you want. Okay. <laughs> ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, Alla prossima. Ciao. For joining us on another installment of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Join her again next week for more interesting content in the Italian wine scene. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. You can also check out our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, to watch these interviews and the footage captured of each location. Chin chin!